Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. In September, we hosted our annual bootcamp experience for entrepreneurs called SKU Camp, where many of the industry's market leaders, challenger brands, and entrepreneurs gathered together for a few magical and inspiring days at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. Now, at that event, we hosted keynotes and panels and breakout discussions on some of the most challenging issues and unique opportunities facing our industry. One of those discussions was the session, Marketing is the New Sales, and it was an interview hosted by Mark Graham, Kaminsky's President and Chief Brand Officer, who chatted with four leaders of some of the smartest marketing minds in the business. During the past year, there's been a huge shift in the sales world with marketing playing a key role. Marketers are now the new sales makers. For a long time, the marketing profession was like the stepchild in the sales household in our industry. But now marketing is the compass, how customers find you. Marketing is the fuel for sales growth with existing clients and marketing is how you differentiate and distinguish yourself from the herd. Today, you'll hear this panel of fresh makers who are redefining how marketing makes sales happen. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Leehu, Commonskew's Chief Content Officer. The day before PPAI's Expo on January 9th, we are hosting SKUCon, the conference for innovators, explorers, and dreamers in the promotional products industry. Now, the in-person event is sold out, but SKUCon is being broadcast virtually. So if you didn't get a ticket, we encourage you to join us from the comfort of your home, your office, your hotel room, wherever you are to be inspired by folks like Davis Smith, the founder of Cotopaxi, design legend Aaron Draplin, and many more. Virtual attendees will also get exclusive interviews that the live attendees won't experience and even one-to-one networking. Plus, if you register for the virtual experience, you'll receive the official SKUCon 2022 t-shirt, a shirt designed in collaboration with Aaron Draplin that you just have to see. Hop on over to SKUCon.com to register you and your entire team today. This episode is brought to you by CommonSKU, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more or to begin your free trial now, visit CommonSkew.com. Now, here's Mark Graham with Sarah Whitaker, Sean Mooney, Alex Weir, and John Vo. One technical note, there's a little bit of feedback in this recording, but we thought the conversation was so important, we still wanted to share. Here's the session, Marketing is the New Sales, recorded live at SKUCamp. So I want to just set this up uh, and then we're going to introduce the speakers. One of the things that has been a real source of interest to us at CommonSkew is seeing how the industry has evolved over the last five, 10 years as it relates to the power and significance of marketing as a driver of sales. And the reason I say that, and I can speak from personal experience, is that, you know, say five, 10 years ago, the salesperson was supreme. And it's not to say they're any less important now, but it was a sales dominated industry with classic sales oriented um, tactics, whereas marketing was always relegated off to the side. You had marketing, it was often seen as an expense, might be a junior hire, and not as important as sales. And I think that what we've seen, over, particularly over the last couple of years, and I would say even during the pandemic, is that marketing has taken this very interesting seat at the table. So we're going to talk about that. So without further ado, I, I'm going to try to stop talking here and get these experts speaking. But we've got Alex Weir, who is one of the founders where 
Where? What? It's going to be weird today. No one, say it. no one can say it. No one can spell it. Totally fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You so, spelled it right on this. That was huge. So, Alex, this is going to be tough for you, but I want each of you for like 30 seconds to give a 30,000-foot view as to who you are. Introduce yourself. Uh, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I was an English major, taught, self-taught designer. So I started an advertising agency about 15 years ago, I think. After multiple firings and many other positions, I figured uh, I could tolerate myself. Um, so I started one because I could write and design. That's kind of the two sides of things. And uh, since then, we've grown it to about 25 people. And then we spun off our sister company, Showpony, <laughs> with, uh, with, with my friend Sean Mooney here. So how's that for a transition? That's Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Sean. Uh, Sean Mooney, uh, and I am a partner in Show Pony, which is in Augusta, Georgia. My background, uh, designer. I was in product development for a while um, at a, a small golf tournament in Augusta and decided to leave because I was tired of working with just one logo over and over and over again. And so, ponied up. And that was the Augusta Rotary Club logo. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so partnered up with, uh, Alex and we have another partner as well, Daniel, who is the steward in where Stewart, And we started off this little kind of quality control thing and built it into its own little business. So yeah, we're just fun loving people. Oh, real quick though. Um, I'm supposed to know all 105 of y'all's name. Can y'all just all say it at once? So I know everybody's <laughs> name. I'm getting up there. John Vo. My name is John Vo. Back in a previous life, I used to develop computer networks, travel the country for a while, and then my, my project ended. Um, I was burnt out, so I stayed home and smoked weed and played video games for six months. <laughs> and my, it would have been a year, but my sister came over and said, you loser, come help me with my company. And she was doing hats and t-shirts at the time, just embroidering, screen printing. And I was like, this is a business. But just by sheer luck, uh, I picked up Earthlink as a first client, and uh, they gave me a nice hat order, and they kept ordering, and just kind of sucked me in. And uh, I just love it. I love swag. I love it. <laughs> Self-care so important. <laughs> I'm Sarah Whitaker with Williams Advertising. We're based in Kentucky. And Williams Advertising, Williams was my grandfather, so it was a family business I came into about, uh, it's almost seven years ago now, and with the intent of starting a marketing agency, and then just by accident got into promo, because that's what he was he was into with it. So it's just been uh, a lot of fun ever since. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. And your story is interesting because you came in with, into this um, older generation business and you had a grandfather that was selling uh, maybe more transactionally oriented, selling traditional products. And you came in with this almost next generation perspective. How did you blow up the business in terms of how it is that you came to market? So when I came in, we were doing everything. He was handwriting POs and faxing them in and all the things. So now to be on common skew, you know, it's very, very different. But I kind of am approaching things from a value add standpoint. So if we're looking at the whole marketing mix, where does branded merchandise fit into that mix? And how can we better support, uh, you know, have a greater ROI on things really just as you would approach it with if you're doing a spend on digital or anything else, you know? Walk me through that transition, because if the business before was selling coffee cups with a one color logo mm -hmm. to the local insurance mm -hmm. agency in town, just making that up, right. to you now taking a more design-oriented strategic mm -hmm. approach, 
presumably that must have been a, a challenging transition. Like, did clients go, what are you talking about? I just want to have my coffee cups. Sometimes. And sometimes that's, you know, that's still the conversation. But I think sometimes when somebody says, oh, let's just put this on it, when it's an item that I can suggest and say, oh, but we could have so much more fun with this. It could be so much more impactful. Or, you know, let's think about the story behind the product, all those things. I mean, it's an educational piece of it for sure. But um, it's just it's just that conversation with the customer. Right. Well, we're going to be getting back to you. So let's okay. we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> John Vo, you, you have created uh, your business with uh, so many unique angles. But one of the things that you're really well known for is your approach to self-promo. Talk to me about how you've invested in self-promo as a marketing channel and, and why has it been successful for you? I think to start off, I have to let you all know that everything I do is to avoid cold calling. It's soul-sucking. It makes me sad. I just can't do it. I don't want to think about it. So that drives everything that I do business-wise. But um, we used to do all those self-promos, you know, because we're in the promotional product industry. So you have to practice what you preach. So you sell your self-promos to your clients. We used to do it monthly, quarterly. We used to do all the supplier specials. Oh, Leeds has these great self-promos. It's a great price to do that. Was it success, successful? Did it help us? I don't know. But attending the first skew camp here in 2017, and uh, they put out this skew camp collection. I was like, what is this? This is like a whole cohesive story going on. They got this down. Um, I kind of adopted that. And so our self-promos over the years have evolved into sending less out and concentrating more on the quality and the emotional feeling that our clients would get from it. And would you buy it? Would you pay money for it? Because if you're not paying money for it, they're not going to pay money for it. So that's what we really try to focus on. John, one of the things that we were talking about a little while ago was this, I think it was a term you and I made up on the spot, sounds fancier than it really is, but this concept of self-promo 1.0 mm-hmm. and self-promo 2.0. And 1.0 is this this concept of, say, getting 250, whatever the product is, a pen or a coffee cup or whatever with, a, with your logo on it and then sending them out. Versus what you're doing, where you're taking this almost ad agency approach and you're putting together this whole cohesive collection that's taking you a crap load of extra time. Talk to me about why you've chosen to invest in self-promo 2.0 versus the, hey, that supplier rep that's coming to you, giving you a good deal on 250 pens, which is a hundredth of the effort. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't sure if the way we were doing self-promos before was really working for us. There was no way for me to quantify it. Yes, our business grew year after year, but it wasn't because of self-promos. Looking back at but and now, I don't think it was. Our business has grown quite a bit in the last few years, but more importantly, the quality of the projects that we're getting are a lot more aligned with what we want to do, a lot more creative. People are spending more money and doing less volume. Right? So instead of 2,000, we'll do 500, but we'll make it a lot better. And that's what we do with our kits too. Um, we spend a lot of time, a lot of money on it because we decide we're not going to send out four or five mailings a year. We're going to do just one really good one that's going to be memorable for the entire year. And uh, I think it's working for us because we've gotten some really cool projects that we weren't seeing coming across our table four years ago. And we're going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to come back to you and get into some of the details. All right, Mr. Pony. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think just having the time of our lives. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I was speaking with uh, Sean and Alex last night, and he said, we really want to be memorable with this crowd. And I think you're nailing it so far. Thank so <laughs> I don't know. I think it's about a B plus right now. Uh, we'll get there. You're getting there. 
So I, I want to start off with you, Alex, and then get to get to you, Sean, in a sec. So Alex, you're you're the co-founder of the SAT agency. Probably didn't know promotional products existed a few years ago. You go. Through... I knew they existed. I just thought that most of them were terrible. <laughs> okay, so it, it was basically right. invisible yeah. off your radar. Right. So you're an ad agency. You're really focused on design. Talk to me why there was an opportunity to create a promotional products division at your fancy ad agency. <laughs> yeah, it's very fancy. Well, I think most of, like if you just look around here and look at where like how people are just taking their brand in general these days, you know, you're coming from a spot where when I started, which was about 15 years ago, it was like Steve's promotional products and Steve didn't care what his own business looked like. Mm -hmm. And he was just going to do the one color coffee cup thing with the cheapest coffee cups. And now that's kind of been marginalized by, you know, cheap, like online printers and things like that. But we would create a brand for somebody that they spent a lot of money on and we gave a lot of time and thought to. And then when we saw that it come out of the other side, when someone had created something with the brand on it, a lot of that stuff looked like shit. And because we wanted to control the expression of the brand, um, we wanted to... And fortunately, we had Lauren who came. She was, we're very design heavy. So Sean's a designer. Lindsay's a designer. I'm a designer. Um, but she came out of a print house and she knew how to do the, uh, the promotional product ordering stuff. So we started doing it in-house just as a way to control quality. And then we just noticed that competitively, two things. One, it doesn't work inside the kind of the processes of the ad agency. And when we're trying to be a, a regional, national, high-end, fancy ad agency, there's not really a place on our site to be, oh, and get your koozies from us too, right? So that kind of didn't make sense for a messaging thing. And then we could thought we thought we could have a lot of fun with it, and we could have a unique positioning within our market with uh, the Show Pony brand, which is kind of this cheeky, smart-assy, high-end looking, but still Sean's making horse noises and... <laughs> We got a crest on that says, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that we basically came into that as sort of we are going to curate, I think like a lot of people have done here, curate higher end stuff and really let clients know the difference between, you know, a shirt that no one's ever going to wear and a shirt that someone will wear until it falls apart is like a dollar. Mm -hmm. So you can either set those $6 on fire or you can pay seven for something that's going to kind of live forever. And that's sort of been, I think, where the clients have been evolving towards is understanding the value of like not only getting a promotional product, but having one that, you know, people are actually going to like. And a lot of that is design and a lot of it is, is choice, right? So, Sean, you're boots on the ground in the promotional products industry where Alex is running is maybe got more of a macro view of branding. Very macro. With, with all of the different channels that you support your clients with, <clears throat> digital so on and so forth. Sean, you're specifically focused in promo. Tell me how it is that you're approaching promotional products through the lens of design as opposed to product first. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to understand how our business is in terms of actual structure. So we have two separate buildings that are kind of adjoined with little cut throughs. And we always tell people who come through when we showcase, we always showcase where Stuart, where Stuart always showcases show pony. And we always say this side is all digital. This side is all tangible. Mm -hmm. And so selfishly, I just tell them, Hey, we're the fun side, right? Cause you know, you finally get to touch your brand when you, when you have it to answer your question specifically, it, you know, focusing on design versus just product. 
we like to tell a story with the product that we're trying to do. So when a client comes in, you know, we, we sit them down, we talk to them about it. And I think I was talking to uh, Jamie earlier about this, but we, we have certain things we tell them, right? When we talk about hats, it's not just, we could do this nice hat. It's, hey, we like to do hats where your icon's on the front and your word marks across the back. And they're like, why? And we say, well, because people go, what? what's that icon on your hat? And suddenly these people have invited them into a conversation about that business. You don't have to tell them what the business is. So a lot of times it's not just the design of how it's done, but the story behind why the design is what it is. Um, and we've seen a lot of success with that, kind of helping people along. It's also why we're very particular about our, our work. So I think a lot of people tend to understand that better when you give a story and you give an explanation. I think it's more a partnership than it ever was before with right. your clients and bringing them along the uh, journey, if you will, about why you do the things you do. It's kind of giving away a little of the secrets, but you also build that trust and they come back to you and they see right. you as an expert and they'll come back to you over and over. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a form of advertising. You know, it's what it is. Yeah, love those answers. Okay, I'm I'm gonna get back to you. I've got a ton of questions, but I want I want to hop back to to Sarah. So Sarah, you you're a, a pro at so many different things, uh, like everyone else up here. But uh, content and social specifically are two areas that you've really differentiated the business with. Talk to me about why that has been a successful strategy in the context of marketing. So I think for us, we're a small team. And so I think for us, anything has to be dual purpose. And so we're trying to build out that expertise and we tell our story through that, through the content. And then it, it's something that lives on our website. It's something that we can use in social media. We repurpose that in email marketing, you know, all of the things now very much so with video um, on social and different things. So it works for us in a lot of different ways. It allows customers to get to know us when we focus on that content. So when you hit our blog, you're going to find out about techniques or we're going to talk about things that are value add to them on our social. You really get to know us as a goofy team that we can be, um, you know, so it just, it, it's so multi-purpose for us and, and all the while it's building uh, rank for us, you know, organically. So it just, it's just where we focused a lot of our time. Right. Are you able to get into maybe one or two specific examples of where content has driven value for Williams and and ultimately your clients? Yes. So I would say that, so at the beginning of the year, we kind of took a, a shift. So we, I was focusing heavily in Facebook and the returns on that as far as social media were not there for the type of client that, that we were hoping to get. And so I've shifted at the beginning of, year, of the year to being really intentional about LinkedIn content and making sure that we're there, making sure that we're consistent. And that has paid off so well. Um, I have had people reach out directly to me based on things or, you know, we have that back and forth, that interaction. When I see people in person now, you know, they're talking about, oh, I saw that cool thing that you did, you know. Um, so that's been really great. Just the intentionality behind it, making sure that we're planning things and not just doing it on the fly all the time so that we hit the things that are important to us, but more importantly, that people want to consume. 
The other side of content that we have found really valuable has been as simple as case studies. So whether we are showcasing something on our blog, whether we are showcasing something in a formalized, you know, we've boxed up a PDF, you know, and we can send that out when I am doing a, a cold call or a cold email or things like that, you know, I really, I, I know, okay. I know. Okay. <laughs> you know, it. I would rather approach it from a, this is how someone else has done it that's worked really well. And I think this can work well for you. Here's how we helped do that versus a, hey, I'm so great. Look at what, you know, look at what we can do. So trying to be value add in that case has been really nice. Right. And would you say, I mean, this might be therapy for John, but no, but I, I, I mean, I love that at the end of the day, what you're doing, I, I mean, I think the kind of cold calling that is traumatic for people is when you're cold calling or cold emailing or whatever the case may be without a unique story or a unique angle, because at that point, you're just a salesperson with a catalog, either analog or digital, that is in the promotional products business, and then it's get in line. It's literally get in line. Um, whereas in your case, when you're able to tell that story through content, that now all of a sudden the competitive set is dramatically reduced. It's that you're not selling that coffee cup, you're now selling something that has delivered this value for client X, uh, XYZ. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's uh, that's really, it's been good. And it's also, it kind of goes back to your original point about the one color imprint or the thing. If I can showcase, you know, here's how we designed this great box and we focused on the customer or the recipient, you know, here's what we did with this otherwise ordinary item and here's how it turned out for the client. I think that's just so powerful. Right. Okay. I'm going to get back to you in a sec. More questions here, but we want to get to John and this therapy here. Um, so John, I, I, I want you to share maybe one or two specific examples of self-promos that you've done, because we, we were talking about this session and the, the caliber of people in this room, they don't need us to tell them about the value of self-promo. Everyone here is a rock star, has done this kind of work, but what you're doing has really stood out. And I know you've sent them to me, and I'm super picky about this stuff. It's always caught my attention. So I want you to take people through what it is that you've done and how it is that you specifically design these products and source them, and then we can get into the ROI. Well, I, I like what Sean said about the product telling the story. And uh, I would go as so far as to say, yeah, the product tells a story and design tells the emotion that you want to show, right? So when we go through a uh, kit, it's uh, driven by a couple of things. One, it could be we see something that's really cool. It's like, hey, you know what? I really like this item. I think it will resonate with people. Let's build something around this. Or two, it's some kind of theme or meme or something we we found that was uh, memorable to us. So then we'll, we'll curate product around that. And the product is always everything has to make sense, has to tie in, has to tell a story, has to be interactive in some way. So they're not just looking at it, but actually doing something with it. And uh, lately, we've been getting into focusing more on design and making it all cohesive and really help drive the story because the product sometimes is not enough. They don't know how it, how to connect to each other. But with design, you can connect those dots there. So that was one part of the question that you mm -hmm. asked. Yes. Now, I want, so you're going to be, you're going to be show, yeah, it is a good answer. I want to dive into the specifics of two campaigns that you've done, the Sunshine Kit and the other kit. Germ Blaster. Germ Blaster, yes. Yeah. I want you to, because we've got some nerds in the audience here. Tell us about each of those campaigns and get into the the, okay. uh, the gory details as to what it is and why you did them. So the germ blasters we did during the pandemic when everything was shut down, 
Um, I said, Let's, everybody's doing PPE. I'm not going to sell PPE. If you if you can't put your logo or design it somehow, I'm not going to sell it. That's not the business I'm in. But uh, we can still do the products for them. So let's send out something that will show them how, how it should be done. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, Space Invaders came into my mind because I played it when I was a kid. Like, ah, oh, this blast those thing. Holy shit, germ blasters. That's a brilliant idea. We're going to run with it. So um, we did. We curated a kit. We did a custom bag. We um, themed all the Space Invaders. We call it Germ Blasters. So each item, the mints, was like a breath blasters because you've all had mask breath. I know. It's terrible. Especially the after a panel. Germ Blasters, right? The bag was designed like the video game graphics and on the one side it had the spot for you to write your name on it but instead of saying your name here we put high score yeah you know so people can kind of tie in so so um that was one of the things we did and god I've, you want numbers right mark I've, i have numbers here well that that's the the sixth part of the question so. okay so i should answer it later then <laughs> yeah you should answer it later i should answer it later okay yeah, we got to get people excited you got to yeah. sell them on the concept and then yeah we'll, Drive it home with the numbers. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we did. We um we had a lot of good results from it. We had a lot of direct orders of the products that we put in the kits, and we never do our kits to try to sell the product in there. I don't really care. If we sell anything in there. It's nice if you do, but for this one, we had a very very high return, which we'll answer later. Um, <laughs> huh? It's high. I'm gonna I'm gonna need some of the calculator. I hear Carrie Calden and Mandy Rudd had calculators on hand all the time. So you guys have to work the numbers for me later. Yeah. Um, the second one we did that uh, Mark Montauk was a sunshine kit. And uh, we did that recently because we wanted to focus more on sustainability and social good. We had talked to a company um, named Riviera Towel, and we really liked what they said. You know, they have authentic Turkish towels um, made by little ladies in Turkey, tying the fringes, on hand tying. That's what they told me. I believe them. Um, <laughs> I do. I mean, talk to the guy. He's real cool. And so we said, hey, let, this is really good for the summer. Let's do this. And let's build it all on going outside because things were just starting to open up. So you can go outside, you go to the beaches. We found heart-shaped sunglasses, which I really loved. Um, and we found a partner to make them in recycled plastic for us. So that was with messaging there. We did mineral reef-safe sunblock and lip balm from an industry supplier. And then uh, we did neoprene cruises in a mason jar, and we included drink mixes and uh, umbrellas and straws and all stuff, everything you need to have a little outside back door pity party by yourself <laughs> drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, yes, and then we, we designed it with all just a lot of color, colorful graphics, which I hope resonated. And, uh, got a lot of good response from it it's still a little early it's only only been two months out but uh we sent it to a potential client and uh they loved it and the first order with them was almost six figures and we're not even done with the first order we have three other ones going on right now too so but we'll get into numbers later because mark doesn't want numbers but you know (laughs) okay who wants to hear the numbers we want to go to the numbers okay um all right, John, can you impress us with the numbers? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. here's here's the serious question. Yeah. We're a creative group here for the most part, but overwhelmingly so. And I think it's I think what makes this group and, and people like this group in the industry is that they're able to connect creativity to great business results. So it's not just creativity for the sake of creativity and then you're out of business next year because you you weren't thinking about it. Talk to me about uh, your investment in the ROI and why this was valuable. So, Germ Blasters, we spent about six thousand 
7,000 including shipping. And directly because of that kit, we had $413,000 in orders. Damn! Wow. So, and hang on, and what, and what, was that 12 months? Uh, that was, no, that was in the, the next six months. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's in counting, right? Yeah, you know, six and, months. And in counting, yeah. right. And so, uh, for all you nerds out there, that's 6,800% return. <laughs> Ka- Catherine, is that a good, is that a good ROI? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a high score. High score. <laughs> yeah, that is a high you score. Guys <laughs> <laughs> and then for the sunshine kit, like I said, it was a little too early to quantify everything, but uh, we spent about six thousand dollars on it, and uh, just in that one new client, it was a uh, over a hundred thousand dollars. So that's eighteen hundred percent return. And that's just talking about numbers directly because of the kit. That's not even talking about the different quality projects that are coming across. That are, uh, clients are saying, can you be more creative? Can you help us do something that will wow our clients? You know, and there's a lot of projects that have come across our table, and I can't directly correlate to a specific campaign, but it's all in general. You know, yeah, and I, I'll just say in advertising, like attrition is tough, but yeah. you know, when you're doing stuff like that, when you're putting out the stuff, you're you're also just kind of positioning. It's like, oh, this is the coolest shit guy that's thoughtful, okay. you know, and and who knows when that one's going to come back? Right, like, who's exactly. sitting on those two kits? It's finally going to get around to where they got you know, 200 grand, they need to drop on something right. and you're going to be the first guy that they do. So a lot, half of it's like brand and positioning and awareness and half is direct ROI. Yeah. Noise. I have a question. Alex and I are kind of thinking about this too, because we send out a client gift, um, but we always try and do something that's a little unique to us, right? Like just different. And so for every year, they do a Valentine's gift at Where Stewart. Yeah, because we, you know, everybody does the Christmas gift and we're like, you're our clients. And so it's kind of this love letter to your clients. So it's kind of the same thing. We do a big kit, but ours are kind always of always irreverent, always very. And I think this is cool, too, that you did this stuff because there's always some level of risk involved. And like we do some pretty like we made a bunch of pins and we uh, what do you call it? We took lapel pins and we put them on uh, backer boards that look like condoms. And yeah. we foil sealed them. So it was yeah, like so a rack. Like a, like a, you drop them out. A thing of condoms. And it's all just you're, you're giving charms. to your clients because you we sent them. them to like Catholic schools and churches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got a lot of fun calls. We did like you a know? weird like that custom that. candle that was had a bunch of innuendo on it that people were scared of. Looking behind the kimono. Yeah. Oh, we did a um, strip poker deck of cards custom deck of cards that was uh, and we wanted everybody to hashtag deck picks yeah deck picks. and post it on <laughs> and but so, we but we for so you're for like, show oh, pony, <laughs> for show pony we're we're right on broad street it's like the main part of our town um in augusta and it's where all the parades go by right. and being an irish man myself we celebrate saint patrick's day that's like our client give back right. they all come down we you know let the kegs roll freely it's just fun. And so we always send out like a St. Patrick's gift. And one year we did, uh, na- it was, uh, what was it? Not Natty Light. Um, Patty Light. St. Patty Light. And we just did some uh, Numo. But we did some really cool like uh, koozies to make them look like St. Patty Lights. And we put it in a box and it looked like a pot of gold. And it was just silly and stupid. And we had a little limerick with it. But I love this concept uh, that it that you're able to what measure the, the what ROI. Was, what, how stupid was the limerick? I can't remember. There once was a man. <laughs> no, I can't remember. <laughs> as long as it's Sorry, not, Nant- as long as it's not no. Nantucket, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Carry on. I, w- I want you two jokers to talk about Give a Shirt and uh, like what was behind that and why it was this great win-win campaign for not only your community, but also a huge way to use marketing to drive new sales. Yeah, so... 
again, agency promo. Um, we share a lot of clients and a lot of our clients when the pandemic hit were searching for ways to stay afloat. A lot of restaurants early coming to us, you know, hey, how can we do, what can we do? So we kind of racked our brains and we came up with the concept of, uh, of selling t-shirts. We were going to do a full e-commerce site. We're going to handle all distribution and we're going to launch 10 shirts on a Monday and then 10 shirts on a Friday. And they're only going to sell for seven days. And boy, did we have a dream because, um, it just like really took off and we had no idea that we, um, needed to scale up so quickly, but we started with eight shirts and eight different businesses. And, and you and buy that, and yeah. And when we went to them too, it was like the first one is this pool hall that was just our favorite pool hall in town, and they, it's like the best burger in Augusta, cash only, very analog, lo-fi place. But this is at the time like restaurants, bars, they're all just getting slaughtered, and you know, and there were several funds like Giving Kitchen and stuff, but it was like, how does the money get there? How does it get distributed? How the hell would these people that we know ever get it? Right. And so we came up with this concept and it was basically, we design shirts for specific business. We give them all of the profit associated with the shirt and we rounded it up. It's like, sell a shirt for 20, they get 10, we distribute it. So the first one, yeah, the mess up was all the profit. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was, altruism is never a mistake. Keeping the karma tight is never bad. We were just hopeful they would get to 48 shirts. Right, so that first one, cause she has no presence anywhere. We were like, ah, but they've just got to sell 48 or we're going to have to like eat more. Then we're actually losing money. Yeah. Um, and she sold 404? 444, yeah. So 444. So we leave, we design the shirts on Tuesdays and Fridays. We leave them up for a week. Everyone could order whatever they wanted. We fulfilled all the orders. And then we, like in a week, we cut them a check for 4,440 4, bucks like that. And then you've got 444 people that, have a badass shirt. I designed that one. I thought it was good. You did. It was really It nice. was the first one. Thank you. Because uh, they have Ooh. no brand. They have like, a lot of people have no brand. They have no logo. They have no anything. And so at, at a time when we got a bunch of designers that, you know, want something to do, it was great to rally the troops around having this, you know, mission of helping everybody out. But we ended up doing it. So we had on the site, like, do you want a shirt? We want to help you out. And we got like 300 and something immediately. Yeah. Well, we ended the list. So a couple of numbers. We, we ended up selling like a half a million dollars in t-shirts over the course of like four or five months. Right. Wow. So we gave $250,000 away. Yeah. Basically only in our market. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, during the pandemic, but it was, you know, we found a way to let, you know, can anybody really take a ton of time? Can anybody really, who's got a lot of money right now, but there were people that were like, I got 20 bucks yeah. for the sports center. Yeah. Or I got 20 bucks for this bar that I love. And that was kind of how you just sort of activated the community around the idea of helping people out. Well, and then of course, so altruism, that's kind of our guiding light between the two businesses is we always try to take the, you know, rising tide lifts all ships concept. Yeah. And so we really thought, you know, we're just going to do a couple weeks of this and blah, blah, blah. Well, we ended up having to get a bunch of interns and they were really helpful. And I mean, it went on for a long time. The governor came and saw it. And yeah. Saw this different I things. remember when we hit 10,000, everybody got on a Zoom because we had a ticker on the yeah. site that shows you where you are, which I think was a good way to kind of try to help drive sales. And when we got to 10 grand, everybody was like, holy Ooh. fuck. <laughs> And then, and then it ended up being $250,000 and we were like, oh my God. Yeah, it was really cool. But for businesses, for y'all to understand, so one of the ways that we've capitalized on it and one of the ways that it's been beneficial for our business um, is that at Showpony, we white label everything as much as possible. So every single one of those 25,000 shirts that went out had Showpony in the back, in the neck. Um, and so 
when we traveled, and the bags were branded and said like yeah. altruism in a squishy bag and had some funny shit about show pony on it or something. Yeah, and after you packed, I don't know, like five hundred of those in a day, you're like, I fucking hate this bag. Uh, but it's, it's not that funny <laughs> yeah, after that. It's not that great. But what's really cool is now, so a lot of those businesses that were actually able, so Sandy um, at Sports Center, you know, she was able to keep on a couple of her employees that she wasn't going to be able to do, and so those people have come back to us. They've ordered it from us now, and so many of the businesses may have made a thousand dollars selling a hundred shirts but they've come back and got like three thousand dollars worth of merch from us or something like that so there is a constant kind of flow back which is really cool and then it just raised talking about raising rank i mean it raised our profile tremendously because all over the region i mean we were shipping i was shipping shirts to alaska i mean like i'm like how do you even know yeah that was crazy was and nice. then like we and were really like screwed up featured in like a uga but, alumni magazine and all this kind of stuff and I, you know it was pretty delicious. cool but the altruism i think that's one of the things is we have we tend to have a lot more faith rather than figures uh guiding us is that we just have to believe that what we do is if we're doing it for the right reasons we'll see the right return on the other end right and it was my understanding there would be no math <laughs> right because i'm not right. that's why i do what i do <laughs> mathless <laughs> well we have our resident mathematician john vo here so <laughs> there we go so in the last couple of minutes sarah i you made a great point which i really believe in when we spoke a little while ago about how it is that you can involve suppliers into this discussion we have several extremely senior not in age but senior in position suppliers that are in the room here what's good the, say yeah, I know it's good. Eh? What is the message on behalf of distributors in terms of how it is that you've worked effectively with suppliers to create these creative outcomes as opposed to the 250 widgets with your logo on it, right? Supplier two, or self-promo uh, 2.0, uh, uh, product 2.0, as opposed to this, the lame basic stuff that we've seen in the past. Yes. How can sure. suppliers help? For sure. Okay. So we have a list going um, amongst our team of all the suppliers that have a great lifestyle imagery bucket, you know, that we can go and access easily. I'm not talking about having to go and screenshot images out of a catalog, you know, not random necessarily designs, just something that really looks great already. Because if you look at our social media, we want people to see product, how they would use it in their life if we expect them to use it in their life. So we like to reflect that. There are no white backgrounds, you know, kind of mock-up kind of things on our social because I don't think that's what resonates with people. So um, when a supplier does that, you'll see that you see consistently same suppliers on our social because they provide that for us and it makes our life really easy. So we don't always have time to, you know, we used to do, if you look back at our social, we used to do a t-shirt flat laid on the floor and that was that. Right. Well, I mean, it's fine. I mean, it, that's cool, it's okay. right? It's okay. No, but we, you know, even the simple move to we bought a mannequin and now there's some shape to that, you know, or even better, one of our team members will show that. And then even better than that, we'll do a video. But when the supplier provides that for the thing that we don't yet have or the project that we haven't done, because for us, that's aspirational, maybe, or it's something that we would like to introduce. It helps us so much. And it's so helpful. I've got a numbers question for you. How many just off the top of your head? How many of your suppliers produce those high quality images for you? 
the list is short. I don't know the, I don't know. Um, we have categories. So we have who does lifestyle imagery, who has great videos that don't have the supplier's brand all over them, who has the case studies that we could refer to. Um, and it's a short list, especially when you go across all the things that we could use. It, it's a little shorter than I would like. So. And where can we find that list? <laughs> Please share. <laughs> and listen, I, the reason I asked that question is not to suggests that a supplier that is doing more basic product photography should be shamed. I think that what's interesting about this, in particular as we head into breakouts, is to also understand the supplier's perspective as mm -hmm. to why it is that they're investing in that kind of photography. And I know there are some suppliers here that are on your list. Mm -hmm. And in the breakout groups, they may be able to justify the extra cost, yeah. right? Lifestyle images cost more money for suppliers. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that it's interesting as we start to, to think about marketing from the supplier perspective, where does that pay off? And it's interesting to hear your story that those those suppliers that are spending the extra money for those lifestyle images are ending up in your shops or ending yes. up in your digital presentations and inspiring the end client that is then leading to orders. Yeah, so. I think we have to look to retail and what is the user used to in a personal sense from retail websites and, and different things and how are they seeing things and then convert that to that B2B. Yeah. Is there an ROI that you can share on those lifestyle images? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I could share ROI on those lifestyle images for anyone who would like to sign up for them. Yeah. Supplier side, <laughs> slide in my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you to each of you for being such a reverent jokers up here. <laughs> but but I think in all sincerity, you delivered what we were aiming to do here, which was to start the conversation, definitely not end this conversation, but a round of applause for everyone on stage here. Thank you. Happy to continue to embarrass ourselves uh, throughout the course of the camp. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Mm -hmm.